Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Tough Love Terry podcast. Do we like that one? Anywho, on today's episode, I am going to be sharing with you an interview I did with my friend Keisha. In this interview, we talk all about being creative, being somebody that likes to start things but maybe not finish them, and how to basically keep yourself going in a world that tries to force you to do just one thing. Keisha is a uh, photographer. She's just getting into, um, she's always done like boudoir and portraits and things like that, but is now getting into maternity photography. But here's the thing, she is so much more than that. And the reason why I wanted to have her on the podcast specifically is because I resonate a lot with her in that we're always trying new things. We're always picking up new hobbies. And this girl, like kills every single one every single time when she does makeup when she's cooking when she's baking and yeah and she's always just like a super positive influence on the internet and so I want to introduce you all to her and give her a follow on both Instagram and Facebook Uh, I will link her stuff in the show notes but yeah say hello to my friend Keisha jump into today's episode, I want to take a moment to tell you about the new membership site that I just launched. It's called the Beyond the Body membership site and it's for anybody who wants to up-level their life in regards to body image, mindset, and creativity. You can find out more about it on my website at terryhoffer.com and just click the Beyond the Body membership sign up. You don't have to sign up for it to learn about it, but if you decide to, it's only $8 a month and there will be consistent content in the form of blog posts by me, videos from me, as well as some audio clips of me reading excerpts from my favorite books, in addition to podcasts that do not get published on here. So basically, you are going to get a lot of content that's going to help create a space for intentional learning and up-leveling and helping you become the person that you want to be. All right, so again, that is at terryhoffer.com and just click the link that says Beyond the Body Membership Registration. Thanks, and I'll see you in the episode. Beautiful. All right, perfect. So we are here with Keisha, and now I will tell the embarrassing story, and then I'll let you get into your introduction. Uh, In (laughs) that uh, Keisha and I have met in person at Camp Dumore, like years and years and years ago, right? And But I never really like heard your name said out loud. So literally like two months ago, I, or was that two months ago or a month ago, I messaged her. I was like, okay, this is really embarrassing because we've known each other on like social media. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't want to fuck up your name when I talk about you. So is there, is this how you say? And then I sent a picture of a key to be like, is this how we say your name? (laughs) And I was just like, like, there's so many people like that though, that I know online that I'm like, I, I'm reading your name, but I don't think I've ever heard it out loud. So I'm always like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't actually know if I'm even saying it right. (laughs) So yeah, that was my embarrassing story. But that's the thing. Sometimes you just have to ask the question so you get it right. So uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself and like how you would self-describe, you know, kind of like a little bio rundown. 
Um, okay. I would self-describe myself as someone who is constantly trying to figure out what is going on in my life and what I'm doing, but also at the same time, I know what I'm doing, which is really weird to say because like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> if I'm being honest, but I, uh, I like to share experiences so that other people know that they're not the only one going through what they're going through. Yeah. Just because I never got that when I was growing up. And the saying my connection is unstable. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear I you. I think okay. it froze. Uh, did I freeze? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, maybe if I close out. It yeah, could. I'm up in my studio area. <laughs> and let's see. I was like, it's good so far, but sometimes my internet does close out some stuff and make sure. Okay. I'm just trying to close down anything that could be running and taking up whatever. But um, yeah, so I am a mom who is a creative and I'm just trying to show my kids that they can follow whatever path they want to follow in life because you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be an architect. You can bring out your creativity and roll with it whatever makes you happy and it's so funny because my daughter she'll come to my up to my studio space and she's like can I come in your studio and she'd be like oh this is so pretty and she likes to touch things and I'm just like that's what I want I want her to see that there's more to see that her mom is like out here doing the thing you know <laughs> yeah I love that and yes your daughter is freaking adorable and a little sass pot and I love it so much she's so funny I love when you oh. post things about her because she just like seems like she's got such a cute little ad. like <laughs> to us it's cute because like she's not our kid but like mm -hmm. like the attitude she has it's like yes yeah, she's gonna be strong and independent this is awesome <laughs> but as a parent it's probably oh, so a bit stronger <laughs> It is. I had someone over for the 4th of July because their spouse was also deployed and she immediately took to her and me and her were talking and she goes, mom, can you stop talking to her so I can talk to her? And I'm like, <laughs> sure. Okay. All right. I love that for her. I love that she's blunt and straight, like forward and doesn't hold back her feelings and emotions and says what she is thinking. And yeah. I don't ever want to take that from her. Ever. I was like, I wonder where she gets that from. <laughs> <laughs> so one of, the, one of the things we were talking about right before we came on uh, and started recording this was I was telling Keisha one reason why I wanted to have her on the podcast was because um, she brings such a light to the internet, which can be a very not so light place, especially on Facebook. I find Facebook is like, ugh. But, um, but a lot of us are on there because of our businesses and things like that. So it's inevitable we're going to see things. Um, and I just love the way that you are honest, but like, even if it's not positive, you are honest about the things that you share. Um, but a lot of the times there's like an upswing at the end of whatever you share to be more uplifting and to help inspire people and things like that. Um, so, um, yeah, so tell me a little bit about that for you, like you had mentioned earlier, I think that was before we started recording, like how you wanted to kind of be the voice that you didn't have. 
right? Like you wanted mm-hmm. to um, be that positivity that maybe you didn't have. So tell me, tell me a little bit about that story. So for growing up with me, um, like I didn't come from a lot and my, my mom parented the way that her mom parented. So like, I feel like I'm currently like trying to break that cycle a little bit, but we didn't talk about things. There wasn't a lot of closeness in terms of like deep conversations. And I had to learn a lot on my own growing up. And I was, again, just talking to my best friend. Um, We were talking about how we were there when social media started, like back when Facebook was for college kids and MySpace and all that stuff. And we talked about all the things that, all the toxic things that we saw Mm. and what we grew up with, like the Perez Hilton era of bullying and all that stuff. And I was like, I wonder what it would have been like if I would have grown up being able to see the things that I say now to have like an influence on me instead of all of that negativity and then um I also like because I'm in a lot of like little groups here and there like mom groups and things like that and so many people don't know that we experience pretty much the same things and in different ways and they hold it in and they keep it inside. And this is why like, I, I will share anything. I shared about the hemorrhoids. I have shared about like the tissue thing. And I want people to see that like what they're experiencing, is not something that they have to experience alone. Yeah. And I think that's really beautiful. I do, I do kind of the same thing or started doing the same kind of thing more so like during the pandemic when I was like, well, I can't like write about clients and I can't write about this. So I'm like, okay, like let's get real about this stuff. And I started sharing like, Mm -hmm. uh, parts of myself and my story. And then I noticed that like lots of people were resonating similarly. And I was like, oh shit like we're not that different like the thing is we're all humans that literally just want to be loved and experience um you know connection in some capacity and so now when my brain is like you shouldn't share that because like people won't understand I'm like that's exactly when I should share it because there's going to be somebody out there that there has to be one other person in the world that is feeling the same thing like I'm not Mm -hmm. that special that I'm feeling something that's like nobody (laughs) has felt before. I'm like, I'm special, but not that special, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. So I think there's a lot of uh, power that comes from that as well. And you're really good at um, like starting conversations with people. Like I noticed like you're really good at getting people engaged in feeling safe to share their parts of that as well. Instead of just like liking your post, they'll literally engage with it and like, share their part. And I think that's like where the important piece comes in that you feel safe for people to share those things with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just letting you know, you're and, making a difference uh, on the internet. <laughs> well, and thank the you. And it's hard. It's hard for me to like accept compliments like that because I don't see like what I'm doing is like you said, anything special. And I, I've had people come to me and my messages and like, just like, I don't want to say like downpour, but like, they just tell me things and I'm just like, okay, this is why I do it. Like, yeah. this is this, I, I'm providing for them a space to like have a voice 
and even if it's not like in the comments, but they felt comfortable enough with me to send me a message mm. and just be like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. And thank you for sharing that. And I'm just like, no, thank you. Thank <laughs> you, because I'm happy that you are recognizing and taking the time to just like acknowledge yourself and to make steps from here to, you know, I don't know the words that I'm looking for. Be more self-aware maybe? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Either way, I'm just, I'm happy for like this, these people that I've surrounded myself with. Yeah, I, I absolutely love and adore them. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, because that's a big part, too, because similarly, I get messages on Instagram, like people will literally be like, here's my life story, but um, or here's like, uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to like, like, trigger warning, like commit suicide, or like, I wanted to do these things. But then I read this thing, and it changed. And I'm like, Oh, my God, this is like heavy shit. Um, how do you set boundaries for yourself? Uh, or maybe not around like holding mm -hmm. space for other people's experiences? Because like, while it's a gift that we can like relate to people on that level it also can get very heavy very quickly um and I know for myself I definitely turn to my own coping mechanisms as a result <laughs> of feeling other people's feelings that's why I call it the empathy tax like I was trying mm. to stop feeling sad or angry or whatever but it wasn't even my sad or angry to begin with does that make sense and so I would fall into yeah. my but, uh, but then that would like deplete because I'd fall into coping mechanisms for myself. Um, so have yeah. you, um, and for me, it's an ongoing process. So probably for you, very similar, but what steps have you taken from maybe when you first started sharing, um, you know, more of yourself or being vulnerable and getting those comments from people, what kind of boundaries have you put in place to protect your peace and energy a little bit? I think one of the biggest things of not, it might sound bad, not making myself constantly available. Mm. And um, like, when I do get those messages, I do read them and I do respond. And then I send out a message and I'm like, hey, if you ever need me, just type SOS at the beginning. Mm. So then I know that this is urgent and things like that. So then like, that's how I respond. I put myself in headspace before, if I see the SOS, I'm like, okay, we're gonna have a moment and then we're gonna address it. And then after I'm done talking to them, I, I'm all about this thing now of creating a moment. Um, I take and I sit in silence for a little bit. Mm. So then I don't have like a TV show coming at me while I'm trying to process my thoughts, like too many things going on in my head. And I also eat my favorite food. Like, and I just, um, I want people to know that I'm there for them. And at the same time, I want to make sure I'm taking care of myself to find a way to kind of like not push the feelings aside, but be able to feel them mm. and then move on. And yeah. I hope that doesn't sound harsh, like, but I want to feel them and then I got to let it go or else it's going to linger. Yeah. And that's what I noticed, like being, uh, being a boudoir photographer, that's when I definitely noticed it for myself was that I would like take all my clients' nervousness their anxieties, like everything they were feeling, um, because that is the gift that we have to be able to do that. And then give them all my like good stuff. Like here's some confidence, here's some positivity, like basically a trade-off. Yeah. But then what would happen is right after their photo shoot, I'd be so depleted yeah. that I would literally just sit at my desk. And then part of me is like, well, you got to work to get 
get their photos ready for them did it so I would sit at my desk and I would just like keep working through it even though my yeah. body's like take a nap or like move your body I'm like no I gotta work I gotta mm-hmm. work I gotta work so then like three years of doing just that like my body literally went into chronic stress because it all of that energy just like sat in my muscles and my bones and like yeah it essentially mm-hmm. contributed to burnout um as a boudoir photographer so I was like this is not okay like I need to if I want to do this work or hold this space for people there needs to be something I do for myself after I like be conscious I'm taking that energy first and then mm-hmm. something with it so yeah I think it's a, that's obviously like a learning process I think for a lot of empaths because we're yeah. like I just want to give so much to the world <laughs> and then we're like exactly. oh I have nothing left but I will give you whatever there is take the scraps <laughs> um and then we're like why do I feel like a puddle <laughs> <laughs> I would tell my husband like after sessions I would, ha- I would be on this high and then like once they left it was just like it would just come down and then I'm left with like, because in the beginning, like when, before the session starts, they start to just outpour all of their feelings and nervousness and things that have happened to them. And you're just like, okay, I have to feel good. Like, okay. I have to do this. Like I have to do this session. And then once they leave, you're like, that, that was a lot, <laughs> a lot that I can take, but it was a lot. And I need to like regroup. And then I think the editing was a distraction from all of those feelings. Yeah. And Netflix, <laughs> get it done. Netflix on. So that way it would like distract that part of my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, I'm the same way. <laughs> the same way. Well, and that's the thing is, uh, and I think that's really important for other creatives to hear is like, especially the people that listen to my podcast or like read my stuff or whatever, they tend to be like empathic creatives. Like there's a reason why they resonate with this Mm -hmm. type of stuff. And so the more tools or suggestions we can provide them, I think the better it is so that, because the work we do is so important. This is the thing that like we forget that I want to be able to keep taking the terrible stuff from people if I can, but I can't do that if I don't get rid of it for them, right? Like I can't just hold Mm -hmm. it all. I have to get rid of it as well for them and myself um, to keep doing that work. Um, So yeah, so talk to me about uh, as far as, because you're a photographer as well, but you do a lot of creative things too. So tell me about, your kind of creative process or like how first of all how did you get into photography we'll go there and then um have you always been creative or was that something that just like started showing up later on like what is your creative journey okay so I knew I wanted to be a photographer in high school I am a very visual person and I am a daydreamer. I am such a daydreamer. Like my husband, he's a serious one. I get excited over stuff and he's just like, well, I can't get excited until it actually happens. And I'm like making a list of all the things that make me happy about this. And um, so I would be on the school bus in high school. And I love those mornings to where it was just like foggy and the sun was out a little bit. And I was like, I want this in a picture. And then um, I joined my art club and I actually photographed the art club yearbook photo. And after that, like, it just kind of like died down. I didn't think about it a lot. And 
once I had my son, I started working at Sears Portrait Studio ah. and I worked there until they closed down. Yeah. And it wasn't until um, I started working for Life Touch doing school photos yeah. that I was like, I kind of want to do this on my own, but I kind of don't know what I'm doing. And my husband's like, just go for it. Amazing. And then after that, it's just been, I'm, I'm, I'm this artist and I don't know how I got here, but I'm here. <laughs> and I honestly miss when I first started out. I miss that so much. Um, There's definitely a lot less I was thinking pressure. about how when you first, I, I miss just feeling like I was on top of the world with every session that I had because it was so new and so exciting and nobody could tell me anything because I knew that I was doing great yeah and then when you get some time into it you're like okay I'm not as good as I thought I need to go by this because ah. this person had it and their pictures look like that and I really like that style but I also like this style so let me go ahead and do this oh look at that preset let me buy that preset and then you end up with a whole bunch of stuff yeah and then you're wondering how you got there and now what I do is I write down every single idea that I have Good. I put it in my notebook and I revisit it after a month to decide do I really want to do that mm. I'm not buying anything I'm gonna come back yeah. to it and my favorite thing that I realized about myself lately is um so I'm switching to maternity I am gonna like slow down on the boudoir because I realize that, like you said, it does take a lot out of you. Mm. But with um, the with the Roe versus Wade thing, yeah. I realize that there's not a lot of voices to show that there's more than one type of body that will carry a child. Yes, and I saw it in the post, and I saw that I don't want to take this away from women but the, there's not voices out there for those other humans who yeah. are carrying a child and I was like what if I showed this and yeah. I started letting people see that yeah okay um because <laughs> I'm gonna get emotional but um then I started realizing once I wanted to do this and I took time and I thought about it and I was like I have so many ideas I can do them. And I realized how I set up my boudoir studio, this, this really isn't me. I hate satin sheets. Oh girl. I hate them. I, Why am I trying to photograph with them? You don't even know. <laughs> like I remember walking into my studio and I know you're sitting in an egg chair right now, but I literally was like, I bought an egg chair because mm -hmm. like I saw it so many times in the Facebook groups. And then I was like, I shot with it once. I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is not conducive to how I shoot. Like you can literally do like three things. It doesn't yeah. fit like all bodies in all ways. I'm like, what the hell did I buy this for? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, Oh, because it wasn't actually for me. I bought it because I thought I needed it. <laughs> and so much during the pandemic, when I went back to my studio, I was like, this is just shit collecting dust. Like it's just stuff. Yeah. And I had to look and ask myself that question. Like, why did I think I needed to buy all this wardrobe, all of this furniture, mm -hmm. have all this space? And similarly, I look back to the work I did at the beginning when I had like a secondhand couch and like 
talked about it really uh and like the work was so good because the focus was on the person and it wasn't on the stuff right and I was like "Mm -hmm." I fell off I fell off my path a little bit here so that's kind of why I've been (laughs) like trying to get rid of stuff yeah um but I think and there's like have you heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect no okay so maybe you've talked about it it so sounds what, familiar yeah so what you've just described like what you described about how at the beginning when you're like nobody can tell me anything I know what I'm doing so this is the Dunning-Kruger effect is like the beginning you're overly confident for your skill level like you're mm-hmm. like this is it I've made it I'm amazing and then what happens <laughs> is you start learning there's a point where you start learning enough that you realize all the things you don't know And that's when confidence actually starts to go down because you've hit the peak where you're like, I know that I don't know everything. Whereas when you're starting out, you're like, well, I, I know I don't know everything, but I'm okay to learn it all. Right. But you get the skill level and then you're like, oh, fuck, I really don't know everything, but I'm really good at this. (laughs) But also, am I good at this? Oh no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's all these, uh, all these things. So yeah, it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect and they notice it um, in like medical students. The first like two years in, in medical school, or I can't remember exactly how many years, but the first little bit, they'd be like overly confident as doctors. And then they would hit a point in their exams where their confidence level would actually go down as the as their intellectual ca- capabilities went up. So the more they learned, the less confident they became. Isn't that wild? So yeah, so it's important that we like recognize that and say like wild. <laughs> yeah. And, and but that's where when especially because now with like Facebook groups, like similarly, you probably uh I don't know when did you start like boudoir specifically? Was that when Facebook groups were a thing yet? Yeah, it's like when they were just starting. Yeah. And um yeah. Yeah, so you would have been like funneled into like a photography group almost right away for boudoir. I had like two years before Facebook groups were a thing to like be like, yes, this is my style. This is what I want. But then Facebook groups and I could see like looking back now, I can see definitely how much of an impact Facebook groups had on. I didn't know enough. I did like how quickly it accelerated that effect because you're seeing everybody's work and trends Mm -hmm. just like boudoir to me feels like when Pinterest became a thing for weddings, right? Like, like, I don't know if you ever shot oh weddings. Oh my right? gosh, yes. But they were like, I remember shooting weddings and yeah, everybody's weddings were the same. They had like the little almonds in the tool like thing as your like gift for the guests, like very basic, basic wedding stuff. Table decor was fine. And then all of a yeah. sudden there was like three years into shooting weddings and people were like, oh, we need to have like, all these like fancy centerpieces. We need to have chalkboards. We need to have a donut wall. We need to have like all of this stuff. And I was like, what happened? And I was like, fucking Pinterest happened. Cause now you're looking at all the things you could have. So it's like, I need that. I need that. And it's like capitalism 101. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's good that you were able to recognize like for yourself, like you've recognized like, wait, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) Similarly to me and be like, that doesn't feel like something I would buy or want to buy. And I've noticed that doing all of this 
has actually taken away my creativity. Mm. It's taking away the passion to want to, you know, just sit down and be like, I like that. Or, you know, just like browse in magazines and like get inspiration from like books and things like that. I was looking at my maternity work last night and I said to my best friend, I was like, I'm really good at this. And I've always been scared to pursue it because I didn't feel like I was that photographer. I've only been known as a boudoir photographer and it's like sucking the life out of me. But I look at this and I feel refreshed and I'm like, look at like what I did with this and what I did with that. And I was like, I, you know what? I think I want to do this idea with, you know, a baby bump. And she was like, okay, I thought we already established that you were going to be good at this. Like, I'm here to hype you up. But (laughs) I thought we already knew that you were about to excel at this. I was like, I just feel like my ideas are coming back. And I realized that I sat with, I have to be this because people know me as this for so long Mm -hmm. that my creativity just went out the door. And I was like, picking from things that I see online to try and be to bring that back. And that's really hard, but you realize that. So that's, that's where, um, one of the things I also want to talk to you about is this, like, like, I see a lot of myself in you in this regard, where it's like, we're always moving forward and we're moving forward quickly. Um, and sometimes, and, but not everyone is. And so it can feel, and we've probably been made, you've probably been made to feel this way. Like I was when I was younger. Cause when you said you worked at life touch, I also worked <laughs> with a similar company to that here in Canada. Yeah. And I was like, that's when I realized I want to do photography, but not just any kind of photography. I was like, this is yeah. killing me. Here's your six poses. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but yeah. yeah. But, um, but that was the thing is like, everyone's pushing you or in like us culture society, like you need one job, you need one career, you need to focus, you need to niche down, you need to specialize. But what mm-hmm. I realized is like, we are, our, I think our mission, like people like us, our mission is literally to learn as much as we possibly can in this world. So we can go mm-hmm. in shit up and so that other people can come and continue to do the work so we can move on to the next thing because it's it's the moving on to the next thing where people are maybe a bit more afraid to go that is what actually brings us the joy and the Mm -hmm. excitement and fulfills us is like nobody's been here before like you said what you're excited to photograph you're like nobody's been here before and this needs to happen you'll go in, you'll do that and you'll do it really fucking well because your work is amazing. Um, And then probably in like two to three years, I would encourage you to make a course so that way you can teach other people so then you can move on to the next thing that you want to fuck shit up about. You know what I mean? Because (laughs) that's what keeps us alive. But the problem is society so much, especially in the photography industry, right? This is why I had to take, because I used to be Terry Hoffer photography. I actually had to take photography off the end of that for me, because I was like, if I keep that there, all I can ever be is a photographer. All I can ever, all people will know me as is this photographer, but I'm like, 
but I like to speak. I like to write. I yeah. like to do these things. And like, similarly, you love to cook. This is another thing that we're going to be doing eventually at some point, which is going to be fun, so but excited. like, you're amazing at everything that you do that I've seen that you like share with us. Like you do throw yourself into it full force to learn it, figure it out. And you're amazing. You master it very quickly. And that's similar to me. I'm very, that's one of my skills is that I'm able to say, I'm interested in this thing. Let me mm-hmm. either learn how to do it really well or recognize that I definitely fucking can't do it. Like resin. I tried doing resin <laughs> art and that shit requires <laughs> and dedication mm-hmm. to measuring. Uh, I should have just known that I wouldn't be good. Cause I don't, this is why I don't bake. I cook. <laughs> I was like, you can't fuck around with that one. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, so that's the thing is you'll recognize like, oh no, 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 this isn't for me, but I tried, like I would throw myself into it full force mm, or you'll recognize like, oh my God, this is fucking amazing. And I can pull from that and apply it to these other creative areas to create mm-hmm. this fusion um, that's never been seen before to the world. And everyone else is like, oh my God, why didn't I think of that? It's because I had to get there first. <laughs> to show you it and show you that it's possible and now that it's you know it's possible Mm -hmm. you can come in you can do it and now I can go do something else but yeah yeah do you feel have you felt uh I would assume have you felt that pressure though to like not do other things like you had said like you felt really like stuck to being a boudoir photographer um like what made Mm -hmm. you finally be like no fuck this well it all started when it like I decided to take my break from social media and I saw that video of someone who's like you've got to live your life like a camera crew is following you and like you are the main character and I sat with that and I was like I have been making myself like the extra Mm. I have not been the main character in my life I have been the extra and doing what people are telling me that I should be doing And so taking that time to just like create little moments of I'm going to prepare my food in this pretty way and I'm going to sit down with a candle and put on some music and have like this little time to myself or like before I got on here, I was like, okay, Keisha, what you're going to do is you're going to take a shower, you're going to wash your face, you are going to put in a hair mask and you're going to put on a dress because you haven't worn a dress in a while Mm. and then you're going to go and sit down and it's going to be good conversation and like this is going to be like a good day so I'm constantly hyping myself up Mm. and with doing that I built more confidence in myself to just be like you know that's not something I want to do so I'm going to do it I'm going to focus on this because this brings me joy and it's okay to do that to bring yourself joy it's okay to treat yourself like the main character. I think that, do you find, like, I think that is hard for a lot of people to, especially people that are mm-hmm. empaths and givers naturally, like we want to help other, it's easier to help other people, mm-hmm. but, um, <laughs> but do you find uh, that 
that that also came out of like body image insecurity from when you were younger and things like that. Like I, I, we've all like bodies like ours are always the extra anyways. Like when mm-hmm. you go out with friends, you are not the girl that gets hit. On. Well, I don't know, maybe you are, but I was never the girl that got hit on. I was always the wing woman um, or the one, the bouncer for the friends that was mm-hmm. like, oh no, you're not fucking getting through to them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I was always the extra. I was never the main character. Mm-hmm. And then growing up in the 80s and 90s, definitely you didn't see that body. Yes. Um, yeah. Personality, right? That's the other thing. And the personality of a creative that is hyper-focused on multiple different things, you don't see that mm-hmm. as being main character energy. Um, yeah. So I think that's, I think there's definitely a correlation there. Would you agree? I completely agree because I've always had weight on me and growing up I was so scared to really be myself and put myself out there because the first thought that I would have is like well look at my body I'm going to be judged for my body so if I stay quiet Mm. if I hide myself more then I'm not going to be hurt by other people's words and actions. So like you said, like you start to become the bodyguard for your friends and, you know, the person that's just there. Mm-hmm. It's never the main character. It's yeah. always the person that's there. So you like make yourself so tiny and small on the inside to where now you're a people pleaser. Do you <laughs> you find- do things just to... Oh, no. Yeah, you can finish that thought. Sorry. <laughs> I was just like... Oh, I was just saying... <laughs> You do things to try and fit in and to have people like you, but also to where you're not seen too much. Mm. Yeah. And so interestingly, I don't know, this is something that I'm just starting to really uncover for myself this year, really, I've really been working on is this, Mm -hmm. like, I want to be seen because like, I obviously I post naked photos of myself, but at the same point, I also know it's terrifying for me to be seen. Like, mm-hmm. and that's like, definitely comes out of like, there's like developmental trauma shit that happens around that. Like as a middle child, as the easy kid, the good girl, whatever is like, I desperately wanted somebody to notice me. But also now that I haven't had that, the thought of people seeing me as me is terrifying. Mm-hmm. So I will mm-hmm. like, be like, I want this big thing. I want this big goal, this big dream. I want to stand on stage. I want to do this. And yet there's part of me that uh, suppresses or like, I don't use the word sabotage because I don't think it is sabotaging necessarily. It's just like, it's trying to protect me from being seen because I don't know that being seen is safe. Does that make sense? (laughs) No, it makes a lot of sense because I'm like getting teary-eyed because I have felt that so much. And it's like, you go to be vulnerable and you go to like show yourself but because of your past experiences you're like this is scary this Mm. is like you don't want to bring up all of those feelings of what you felt when you were younger Mm. and it's oh okay (laughs) um (laughs) I was um I've been talking to my best friend like a lot and I told her when I was younger I wanted to be that theater kid I wanted to be like this energy and because I was the fat girl I never spoke up and spoke out and like Mm. had like this fun bubbly personality that I always wanted to do because I was so scared of judgment and like now as you said when you're older 
you want to do those big things, but it's so scary. Yeah. It's so scary. Whew. Yeah. Be a little tough love Terry for you, Shay. Didn't know that was coming. Just kidding. Everyone knows. Right. <laughs> but but that's the thing. And so like, so one of the things that I've been doing to kind of like work through that is I'm actually working on a course right now about self-expression, which again is why I thought I thought of you because um I had one of the things that I was um like I don't wear makeup ever. Like, that's just not my thing. And I just like chalked it up to like, it's just not my thing. I never really was interested in it. My mom didn't really wear makeup, you know. But as part yeah. of creating this course, I put myself through the course first um, to see like, mm-hmm. what are the thoughts that happen? I was like, this is how empaths have to heal themselves is by like, <laughs> I'm doing it for them. But ultimately it's my yeah. science project on myself, um, <laughs> right? And I'm like, if it doesn't turn into a course, it's fine. But what happened was I realized like I had my, my makeup artist, Sandy, do makeup on me. And I was like, yeah, it's nice. It's cool. But I realized how self-conscious I am when I wear any sort of makeup because people notice um, when you wear a red lip, Mm -hmm. people will, even if it's positive, even if it's positive, but what I realized was as a child, um, again, as a fat kid that would never become the popular girl, I had to choose Mm -hmm. a different path for myself. And the easiest path was to be the complete opposite as a defense against the thing that I couldn't become in my mind. So that meant if the pretty popular girl wears all the makeup in the teen movies and things like that, then I have to be the girl next door that doesn't wear makeup. I'm not like other girls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when, uh, when I was in grade six, my friend Stephanie brought like a tinted lip balm to school. And I like, as a kid, you don't know how to put lipstick on. So I just like put it around my mouth. I like the way it felt like putting it on. I like the way it Mm -hmm. felt but it was fucking picture day, like school picture day. Okay. So like no teacher said anything to me. I had all this goddamn lipstick around my lips. So I took the picture, but the problem was, or like, I, so the picture's taken and then, you know, a few weeks later, my mom gets the photos and she like made me feel, she didn't intentionally mean it, but she's like, Terry, what the hell? Like, why would you do that? Now we got to pay for retakes. Now we've got to do all this. And as the good girl, I disappointed somebody because of makeup. And so that was a huge thing. So I noticed while I wear makeup now, when people are like, oh, you're wearing makeup. I'm like, I take it defensive. Like I get really defensive. Like, Mm -hmm. oh God, they know. It's almost like, oh God, they're going to find out that I'm just playing pretend or that I shouldn't be doing this. And I had to confront like why that was. And it's wild. So I'm, that's why with the (laughs) cooking thing is similarly, I've just told myself, I'm just not a good cook or whatever. And I'm like, no, I, like, obviously I've been able to feed myself so far. So I can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But like, so where do those thoughts come from? So I'm excited to explore that with you later on, like kind of these stories that we make up about the things we can or cannot do or apologize for. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So you, you do play a lot with makeup though. And that's like something that's really like, you're really good at it. Um, so talk to me about that for yourself. Like, were you always into makeup growing up or is that something relatively like new ish for you? So, um, I actually started to like tear up a little bit at your story about like the, when your mom came to you about like, you know, it's Mm. being on your face and, uh, Growing up, like, I kind of was into makeup, but not a whole lot, and um, my grandma 
whenever I put on red lipstick, she'd be like, that's the streetwalker's color. Why are you wearing that? And it kind of like, it made me feel bad. Yeah. You know? And so I, I never really fully got into it. I loved it. And then quarantine happened and I've always appreciated hair and makeup artists. Cause I'm like, that just looks so hard. And then I said to myself, what if I tried? What if I just tried? And then I started trying. I was like, okay, yes, this is hard, but also I just did this thing and it doesn't look half bad. So let me keep trying it and keep trying it. And now it's become a way for me to like, I love the no makeup look. I love showing my skin, my blemishes, all of that. But now it's become a way for me to like, just express more of how I'm feeling and like picking out the different colors. That's honestly inspired a lot of my creativity and like matching colors together and just seeing what flows. And then it's the downtime that I have to myself mm-hmm. and I put on music and like the kids are all downstairs doing what they're doing. And I'm just like falling in love with myself with every single stroke. And I'm like, that looks good. I'm hyping myself. So it's also become like a little bit of a confidence booster in how I speak to myself. Yeah. And yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So it's interesting how like, and th- and that's, that's the beautiful thing about creativity. But um, if you, because you said you were like, so I'm only a boudoir photographer. Like I was like, I'm only a photographer. Like, is there a part of you that even though you're like phenomenal at makeup, you're like, yeah, but I'm just like pretending to be a makeup artist. right that's what that's what I feel like everything is pretend if it's not in alignment with this identity that my brain seems to like be stuck on like no this is who you are everything else you're just pretending to be that and it's like but am I pretending if I'm actually doing it no (laughs) right like brain what are you talking about I'm I'm doing the thing so it must be that I'm and I see that a lot in my writing course that I teach and stuff like that where people are like I'm not a writer I'm like well did you just write a thing yeah Mm -hmm. well then I would dare say that you are a writer (laughs) because you did do the thing if you're doing the thing you are the thing (laughs) right exactly I think it just comes from like for so long we've been told you need to pick what you're going to do with your life and you're going to stick with that and then what people don't realize is that we have so many layers to us that we don't get to explore because we're sitting here just trying to follow that one life path when all of like those little moments that we get when we think about being creative and happiness is like trying to branch us off to go all these different ways and we're just like nope nope we're gonna stay straight now and that's what I have loved about kind of like finding myself again is realizing you can do all the things yeah you can absolutely do them and you don't have to make it a career you can do it just to give yourself little moments of happiness so are you a professional makeup artist? No. Are you someone who does makeup and is happy about it? Yes. And that's okay. Yeah. And I think that's like, um, and for some people, like the one path makes sense. This is so the post I wrote mm-hmm. today is like about people like us were prisms that we are mm-hmm. so multifaceted because we have to collect so much information about the world so we can distill it so other it gives permission and like makes the world more colorful for other people essentially but if we i'm like if i have one life 
right? Like if this is the life, why would I only do one thing? Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't even make sense in my <laughs> mind. I'm like, wait, I should be doing literally everything that I would ever want to do. And it doesn't matter yeah. when I do them or how I do them. But like, if this is the one life we get, then we should be trying to maximize our time here by doing all the things that light us up, right? But I think it's people like you and me that even if it's, even if we feel bad about it, if we stop jumping from thing to thing, we will literally die. We like, we will fall into depression, (laughs) right? Like this is what happens. Mm -hmm. And we're like, no, I have to be like everyone else. Like we literally there's a point where it comes down to literal survival. I think where we're like, I have, even though this is an ass backwards decision, I have to go in this direction. Does that make sense? You get it. Uh, and like, there's the part of our brain that's like, if you don't go here, it's not going to be pretty. So we do the hard thing and we go there, even though we know people are going to be like, pick a lane, but whatever. But we go there. But when we do that, we give permission to other people to do that too. Right. And I think mm-hmm. to be like, but look at how beautiful the world could be. Like, you don't just need beige walls. You can have them if you want. That's the thing. It all comes down to choice. That's why I told my husband, like, yeah. uh, you can see behind me, my walls are literally beige. And I was like trying so hard to fill the walls with other stuff. Like, I'm like, I just need not sand. Mm -hmm. oh my gosh yep (laughs) yeah this whole house is sand colored but anyways but the thing is is like um but that's like I used to think that was such a bad part of me right because people would be like I used to be called Terry two years because I would jump from thing to thing every two years the first year's honeymoon phase second year's like do I want to fucking do this forever no And then I would move on to something else. So I used to think that was my curse, but I'm recognizing that Mm -hmm. that is a superpower that we have so that we can go to the places that other people are afraid to. And then we can show them that it's okay. And that not only is it okay, it's exceptionally beautiful when you get there, which is kind of cool. You know? (laughs) I completely agree. Um, like for me, choosing to do like all these little projects or getting like all these different recipes, it really it helps stimulate my brain first of all. And then I like it teaches me that I can do things that I never thought that I could do. And it, it kind of like silences that voice from growing up telling me that um I have to be the small human who is. Mm. Oh. Situation. We just had a bit of a disconnection situation. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd she go? <laughs> uh, that's okay. Um, what were you talking about? I don't even remember. <laughs> this oh, is how um, my brain like moves so fast. Basically, the point is to everyone yeah. listening is that if you have more than one thing that you love in the world, go do the fucking thing. Don't let stories mm-hmm. from your youth or other people tell you that you should not do these things that bring you joy because you need to have one job or you need to mm-hmm. niche down or you need to be one kind of way. Because if you don't explore it, and I don't, maybe this is uh, for you, you experience it this way. Because I was thinking back to myself when I would try to like, I worked in insurance for a bit. 
when I would try to like squeeze myself into the more one way of doing the things, what would happen is I could do it short term, but then it was almost like where you binge and then, or where you purge and then you binge because I neglected feeding that part of myself that needs to be stimulated by new things, new ideas, new crafts, new hobbies, whatever the thing is that when I couldn't take it anymore, I would literally spend all the money to do ever, like try to do like seven different things at the same time, because I tried to restrict myself from doing it. It's very similar to diet culture, right? Like where it's like, if I just restrict myself yeah. enough, then I'll, then I'll, I'll be like, everyone wants me to be, but it's like, no, because you're going to crack at some point. Cause it's just not who you are. That's not just, that's not where you're meant to go. Um, and yeah, and I, and that's like, luckily I've been able to recognize that pattern and kind of shift it a little bit. Oh, did you freeze again? I know you're frozen for me. I don't <laughs> All right, we had another mishap here. So I think we're just going to wrap yeah. up the conversation. It's been about an hour anyways, but this has been so good. Um, uh, so before we leave, where can people find more about you if they are uh, interested in having a maternity shoot or where can we find all your things? Um, well, that's a very good question that I'm not sure I had the answer to yet because I have not set up my socials for yet but I guess um uh, Facebook under Keisha Rice and um I'm gonna be setting up a whole new Instagram and a whole new website and I still haven't figured out what I'm gonna call it yet I have some ideas floating around and letting myself sit on those ideas and not just you know contain myself to just one thought um yeah, and then uh, come September, I'm starting my podcast. Yay! So What's excited. it going to be called? It's the S'mores and Horrors. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about um, all different ways that you can express your sexuality and to take away the shame of being sexual or not being sexual and just like embracing who you are and not letting the world slut shame you. I love that. Yeah. That's why I think like, I was like, I think what's happening is like, I'm getting more into like body images, just the tip of the iceberg. I was like, we got to get that out of the mm -hmm. way so then we can focus. But ultimately my whole goal is to help people just be confident in who they are as yeah. people and stop listening to outside influences and just be like, okay, what is it about me that makes me special? Um, exactly. And you, Miss Keisha, are super special. And I'm so glad that you are <laughs> in my internet sphere. Because oh, you always brighten it up why. with your musings and thoughts and jokes and images <laughs> and your daughter, of course, super cute and adorable. And then, of course, your photos. So thank you so much for being here. I will post whatever information you want me to post in the show notes so that people can just okay. uh, click on that to go find you because they do need to get to know you a bit more. Sound good? Okay. Yeah, All right. Thank you. I, I told you to do well with compliments. I know. <laughs> we'll talk about that once I pause this. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to everyone later. Bye. Bye.